Well, yes, here I am again. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Corey, and I call this little podcast of mine here Midnight Corey. Thank you for taking the time to download the show, actually listen to me yet again. I'm really excited this week. Oh, boy, it's been a great week because uh, it's getting close to Halloween. And here in just a few days now, uh, it's going to be Sunday, the 31st, and Halloween is always a lot of fun. Uh, we always get a lot of trick-or-treaters here, which is great, and decorate up the house and everything. Oh, Halloween's just really cool. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of horror movies on uh, different cable stations as I'm flipping through the channels, which is encouraging. Uh, I can't remember which ones now. There were a couple. There was The one channel was playing a lot of uh, like older, almost uh, like Hammer kind of uh, horror films, which was great. And then uh, there was another one playing like Pet Cemetery 2 and uh, Return of the Living Dead 4 and 5. Well, sci-fi, actually, I think it was. It was playing <laughs> playing uh, Return of the Living Dead 4 and 5 back-to-back. So it was funny. My brother was in from Chicago visiting me last weekend, and we were going through some of the channels, and I saw that uh, <laughs> Return 4 and 5 were on sci-fi. It was right at the end of uh, Part 4, where they're in the big laboratory and they're letting out all the zombies, and then uh, we have the, the the exoskeleton military zombies coming out with uh, the one has the machine gun for a hand, the other one has like a saw for a hand, and uh, they're doing battle and, and stuff. And, you know, we're sitting there watching it, and then, of course, uh, it went on to part five, Rave to the Grave. But we're sitting there watching them, and my brother and I were actually both like, you know, it's such a shame that the zombies look so good. In, in these uh, last two installments of Return of Living Dead. I think the zombies have been superior, actually, in every part of Return of Living Dead. Uh, it's just the quality of the movies overall have has gone downhill with 4 and 5, unfortunately. But, you know, it's a shame that the zombies look good, the violence looks good, and everything, and it's in such a crappy movie. So, yeah, but that's why we sat there and watched them still. I mean... It's so weird that 4 and 5 are, are terrible films, but I still watch them. I mean, I've probably seen both of those three or four times now each, and it's got to be just for the zombies and the violence. Other than that, they're terrible. They're really, really terrible. But anyhow, anyhow, I, I've talked about all that before, and I'll probably talk about it again uh, later on, but who cares? Who cares? Uh, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff going on the show uh, this week. I watched a ton of movies this week. You're going to be so proud of me. You know, I, I feel like, I don't know, this isn't a movie review podcast. This isn't a, a zombie podcast. It's not a horror podcast. But that's always what I kind of keep gravitating toward. And it's because I love film so much. And I love horror, and especially zombies. And now that it's Halloween, I want to watch all kinds of horror movies. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just part of my life. And I like talking about the, the things that I do. And that's why I also include music and all that junk <laughs> that you guys are still listening to, which is amazing to me. But anyhow, like I said, watched a ton of movies. Um, the first couple movies I'm going to review are uh, kind of uh, ha have to do with my progression through uh, film here. I'm in the 1950s, talking about zombie movies of the 50s. Of course, we've done the 30s and the 40s. And uh, yeah, yeah. So this week, I'm going to be talking about Teenage Zombies from 1957. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then I'm also going to talk about the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is based upon the 1956 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is in fact based on the novel by uh, Jack Finney, I believe. Uh, let me check my notes here, my official show notes. Yes, Jack Finney wrote a novel called The Body Snatchers. Uh, so yeah, yeah, this was a 1978 remake, a lot of big names in it, uh, so I'll be reviewing that. Uh, also, uh, okay, uh, let me tell you about Netflix then. For Netflix, actually I watched all of these on Netflix this week, except Teenage Zombies. I have Teenage Zombies on DVD. I actually own that gem. But uh, no, all the rest of these I watched on Netflix, but the one I'm going to recommend is my official Netflix recommendation of the week. Um, is going to be Summer School from 1987. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how's, how's that for random? Um, but, as we will see, it does have a lot to do with horror. And I think was actually a, a fantastic film for the horror genre. And you'll see what I mean when I get to my little fancy review of it or whatever. When I talk about it and make stuff up. Um, okay, so here are the other movies that I watched this week that I'm going to be talking about. I was excited to watch, finally, for the very first time, Paranormal Activity from 2007. And boy, there's been a lot of talk about this, which is why I put it off. And also, well, okay, I put it off because of all the talk about it, and I didn't want to get involved. People loved it, or they hated it, and there were the haters out there that were bashing this, and other people that were saying it was really, really good. Um, so, yeah, put it kind of on the back burner, but when my brother was up, he told me that I needed to go watch Paranormal Activity if I haven't already, and uh, also, part two is already in the theater, so I'm like, well, you know, but perhaps this weekend, for Halloween weekend, I'll go watch a horror movie, I can actually talk my wife into going to see a horror movie, and, uh, which is a long shot, but it, it, it may happen. Um, and Paranormal Activity 2 would be, uh, the one that I'd want to go see, I guess. Uh, so I better see the first one first. So, that's what I did. Watch that one. I'll be talking about that. Um, I also saw The Haunting in Connecticut. Um, this was another one, and the only reason I decided to watch this one is because it kind of came up in my recommendations after I watched Paranormal Activity. And it was the very next movie, so I watched that one back-to-back. -back. Uh, right after I was done with Paranormal Activity, boom, came up on the screen. I just clicked it and watched away. So that one was 2009. I believe. So, I'll be doing a little review of that one. Also, this is one I've talked about before. Well, no, I've mentioned it before, and it was suggested to me. Of course, that being Puppet Master from 1989. And then I kind of went in the whole vein of, you know, killer dolls again, because I reviewed Child's Play here a couple weeks ago or whatever. And uh, so I wanted to do Puppet Master, and then I went right to Dolls from 1987. So yeah, talk about that one. And finally, the final movie that I'll be talking about this week is The Food of the Gods from 1976. This is one that I had never heard of before. Um, I believe I've... Well, no, I can't say that. Uh, I, I, I believe I've seen the cover. So technically, I guess I have heard of it, but it's never been a conscious thing to me. So that's another one that came up in Netflix, and I just decided to watch it knowing nothing about it. So yes, The Food of the Gods, 1976, will be my final review. But how is that for a lot of movies? You know, I should be getting paid by the movie review. And I would be cleaning up this week, man. I could go somewhere fancy to eat. Wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. That, uh, all that, all that on top of a, uh, a voicemail from my friend Vaughn 
from uh, Motion Picture Massacre podcast. He just did a great episode with James from the Dried Blood podcast. They talk about Pink Floyd's The Wall, man. Yeah, like The Wall, dude, it changed me, man. It's like I was in college and I was sitting there, man, and I, I was just like relaxing. And I laid back and closed my eyes, man, and I put the strobe light on, man, and, and all, all the rest of the lights were out. And I put on the wall, man. And it's just like I was I was taken there, man. I, I was I was there. I was building the wall, man. I was I was being walled up, man. And that that guy was me. <clears throat> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, they talk about the wall. And it's a fantastic review. A lot of great discussion, in-depth discussion. James especially knows a lot about Floyd. So yeah, yeah, go listen to that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we hear from Vaughn, which is great. And uh, original music. Oh yeah, yeah, we're going way back in the old Cory archives here for some original music this week. You're going to like it. And uh, it's perfect for Halloween. So before I get on to uh, all these reviews and all this stuff that I'll just ramble on through and you'll probably fast forward through, is uh, just want to remind you, you know, it being Halloween, uh, the first episode of The Walking Dead premieres on AMC. So I am so excited for that. Um, and that reminded me, you know, you guys are so great sending me in, uh, different headlines, different things of interest, zombie-wise, and there are a bunch sitting in my mailbox, and so I apologize if I haven't read it, uh, oh, man, these things just slip away from me, they slip away. <laughs> um, this one comes from Victor, and this all has to do with The Walking Dead, and it made me remember that I hadn't even bothered to tell anybody about this. But he sent me this great clip on YouTube that uh, some fan made. Uh, it's an animated opener for The Walking Dead. And it's not the official one, but it darn well should be. It's fantastic. So, Victor, thank you for sending me that link. It's going up in the show notes. Sorry it took me like four weeks or whatever to get it up. But I did. But I did. And I do appreciate it, man. So, yeah. <laughs> Go check out this uh, this great animated uh, unofficial opener for The Walking Dead. I am so looking forward to it. Um, now, before I go, I actually completely neglected a bunch of really important things uh, to mention uh, that I usually do at the beginning of the show, and that's that, uh, you know, go watch the Italian zombie movie. Uh, my friend Tom Burdinsky, everybody over there, great people, and uh, it's a really fun movie, so yeah. Go check out the Italian zombie movie, being that this is the official podcast of the Italian zombie movie. Uh, MidnightCory.com is my website. I am in the process of making a one-man short film and doing everything by myself. It's a horror film, and it's a lot of fun. I'm in the editing stages right now, doing some fancy effects, things like that. So yeah, yeah, things are still marching forward then. I spent like my entire weekend last weekend doing nothing but, but working on this and doing more rotoscoping and more, you know, color correction and junk like that. Yes, yes, uh, there's a lot of work involved in it right now. Uh, but yeah, that's marching forward. And also, November 1st, now this is Monday, so the day after Halloween is when you got to start writing your novel. You write a novel in one month for National Novel Writing Month. Go to nanorimo.org and sign up. It's free. It's a lot of fun. you gotta, you got to write uh, 1,667 words every day during the month of November to hit 50,000 words by November 30th. And then you've written a 50,000-word novel... And it's a big accomplishment. I've done it now uh, the past four years, and this will be my fifth year, my fifth novel. And uh, if only I could go back through all my novels and uh, 
you know, actually work on them again. That was every intention I had from last year. If you remember, I wrote the one about uh, zombies and werewolves and stuff from last year, which was great, and it was a lot of fun, and I actually finished it, and I started to go back and edit it, but uh, I got busy, and it's still sitting there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm doing it again this year, so yeah, you should go sign up too. I don't know if I'm blogging this one. I might. This one's going to be completely off the wall this year. It's a I'm going to try to get away from zombies. I've written about zombies every year. And so I'm going to try my best to stay away from them. Can't make any promises, though. They always manage to creep in. But just when you think you got away from zombies, that's when they, they get you. You know, you have a little too much self-confidence there. And that's, yeah, that's when they move in for the kill. <laughs> Before has man been transformed into such hideous proportions. Never have teenage girls been subjected to the terrifying ordeal in the fantastic room of torture. and powerful story has been acclaimed as the most terrifying of all time as it bursts forth the unequaled horror of an island of monsters created by a human beast. Oh, hey, all you hip teens out there. I'm going to be talking about teenage zombies today. Oh, yes. If you're one of the cool kids, then you're going to want to listen. Oh, yeah. 1957, Teenage Zombies. Oh, this movie is so hard to sit through. Um, <laughs> I, I put it in to watch it because I told you I would watch it and talk about it this week. And, um, I thought that this was the first time that I was watching this movie, but, uh, as I got into it, I remembered that I had actually tried watching Teenage Zombies a couple months ago and I got so bored with it that I turned it off halfway through and I didn't even remember doing this at all. And so I put it in again and I'm like, oh yeah, there's the, there's the ice cream shop that these hip kids were at. And, uh, oh yeah, that's that island and that weird boat. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I remember nothing being scary about this at all. <laughs> but, uh, oh, before I get into why this movie sucks, uh, I love the poster. You know, we're in the middle of the 1950s. A lot of really crazy movies are coming out. And this is really kind of an era of really ridiculous movies. <laughs> I mean, they make no sense at all. And especially when coupled with the uh, the artwork, the promotional art that was done in the form of like posters and uh, you know things like that. Uh, I, I love the poster for this, the yellow poster for Teenage Zombies, where it's uh, you know the the great big gorilla holding a scantily clad woman in its arms, <laughs> and it really makes no sense. I love the slogan for it; it's so dramatic. Young pawns thrust into pulsating cages of horror in a sadistic experiment. Oh my god, you know, this movie must be sick. It must be disgusting. It must be appalling. It is not whatsoever. This movie is lame. 
It is so lame. I mean, we, we are almost nearing Ed Wood's realm here. And this is actually a great movie to review this week because next week I'll be reviewing Plan 9 from Outer Space. So we're, we're ushering in Ed Wood with a movie that almost, almost accomplishes what he accomplished. But, but the thing is, uh, this has none of the charm of Ed Wood movies. This has none of the, the kind of innocent incompetence that Ed Wood movies have. This is, this is just downright horrid, horrid incompetence that has nothing charming about it at all. <laughs> so, okay, starting the movie, we're at the ice cream shop, and right off the bat, the acting really, really sucks. And we just have long drawn out scenes of dialogue. The camera hardly cuts at all. There's not a lot of camera movement at all. Um, we got a group of teens that decide they're going to go out uh, water skiing, although we never see water skiing in the entire movie. Um, but I'm sure it's because, you know, water skiing is very, very costly. And uh, this movie didn't have a lot of money to work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they go, uh, they end up finding a, an island. And uh, they go to the island. They see zombies there. They go to the spooky mansion where there's this weird girl or this weird woman living there. She escorts them in and ends up kidnapping them, putting them in cages down in the basement where she's uh, doing zombie experiments and being funded by, by all kinds of things. There are a lot of interests at pull here. It's a big scientific experiment. She's making zombies. Besides, uh, <laughs> the kids are perfect zombie material. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's, I mean, even that description there is a lot more dramatic than anything in the movie really is. Really, I mean, the only dramatic, there, there are only two, two or three real interesting things that happen in the movie. And that's, uh, one of them is the big wrestling scene between the teens and the bad guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's real dramatic. And then a few minutes later, there's another really dramatic scene where, uh, you know, they all pretend to hit each other. Oh man, you know that though, that you know had me on the edge of my seat, and uh, the music was actually extremely dramatic. I mean, it, it's actually amazing the difference between the energy in the music and the energy of what you're seeing on screen. And I, I know they did that on purpose in all <laughs> chances because uh, you know they just needed to do something to up the energy, to up the drama, and so yeah, extremely dramatic music with extremely undramatic scenes. Um, yeah, and like I was saying, the least creative cinematography that I've seen so far. I mean, in 99% of the shots, the camera is standing still on a tripod at eye level with occasional pans to follow the action. But uh, I, don't, I don't think that the, the filmmakers here actually knew that there was such a thing as close-ups. You know, all the shots pretty much look the same. So yeah, yeah, it comes to a dramatic ending with the gorilla kind of saving the day. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's the gorilla that used to be a zombie gorilla. <laughs> but the zombies are nothing at all. They're just kind of hypnotized people, a hypnotized gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Oh, skip this, skip this. Oh, horrible. Three out of ten from me. And the only reason that this gets three points at all is for the absurdity of it all. And for the gorilla that used to be a zombie gorilla. So, yeah. Teenage Zombies, 1957. Horrible.
they come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. Matthew! 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 The others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. I saw its nose bleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. <laughs> We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. The Street. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. lot of us have had the remake blues oh i hate remakes oh there goes another remake oh they're remaking this all oh, rob zombies remaking that oh <laughs> yeah everyone's just crying all kinds of tears about remakes and like i said remakes have been going on for years and years and years and years it's nothing new it's just very widespread now and a lot of people are doing it and a lot of horror fans just take such offense to this and they take it so seriously and you know, a big deal. Great remakes can be made. And I'm going to illustrate that this week. I'm going to tell you all about one of the greatest horror remakes of all time, and that's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978. Now, uh, I, I didn't know what to uh, what, what I was getting into here, uh, really, because I'd read some really good reviews of uh, this film online, but again, I can't ever trust these. I, I don't know. I have different tastes than a lot of horror fans. So I, I never quite know whether to take somebody's word for it. There are, there are a few trusted people that I do have out there in internet land that I can rely on. But uh, for the most part, eh, nah, I, I don't know. So I went into this not knowing if I was going to like it or not. And uh, boy, boy, I got to tell you what. Okay, directed by Philip Kaufman and a lot of big names associated with this. Donald, Donald I can't talk. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland plays the lead role. And uh, I'm sorry, but uh, to me, Donald Sutherland is the professor from Animal House. But that does not relieve you from your responsibility for this material. I'm waiting for reports from some of you. I'm not joking. This is my job. Yeah, he's getting high, man. So <laughs> that's what I think of. So every scene in which, uh, you know, Donald Sutherland... Um, keep stuttering over his name uh every scene that he's in i'm like oh he was probably just in the back getting high <laughs> but, uh, also uh jeff goldblum 
Leonard Nimoy, and a very special cameo by Kevin McCarthy. Now, if you remember, back in the 1956 version of this, Kevin McCarthy played the lead role in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and uh, he makes a, a, a cameo here, and he's basically the same guy that he was in 1956. It's really, really great. Help! Help! They're coming! Now, of course, you know, we talk about remakes. This was a remake of the 56 version, and it was also based on uh, the Jack Finney novel. Uh, but coming into this, you know, like I said, I was a little skeptical because I knew it was a remake. And I, I didn't consciously think like this, you know, it, it was almost like automatic. Like, I'm like, remake, and all of a sudden, remake kind of uh, makes this movie a, a little inferior to movies that aren't remakes. Um, and uh, I think that this is what all the recent remake bashing has done to me. You know, it's almost programmed me. It's, 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 it's like brainwashing. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of programmed to think this way, but watching this movie now, this film is on par with John Carpenter's The Thing. And I really truly believe now that The Thing and the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers were the two greatest horror remakes in film history. I kid you not. Awesome, awesome. It starts off with a great opening sequence of uh, these aliens going to Earth and how their pods grow, what happens, fantastic effects. Uh, and it's basically the same story, but just updated for the swing in 70s. Oh yeah, man, so we see all the, all the cool fashion, all the polyester. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's actually not as dated as a lot of 70s movies tend to be, but you can, you can tell it's an older movie. But yeah, great, great effects. The pods were done great. The, uh, the, the aliens forming into the likeness of humans is great. And it's disgusting and it's gooey and it's weird. But yeah, there is nothing fake looking about these effects. For, for 1978, these were great, great effects. Um, so it's just a, a visual masterpiece. Like I said, there's not much that strays from the original story other than a couple of the parts are expanded, a couple new characters to kind of update things a little bit. But all in all, same story, a lot of the same kind of scenes are done. Um, this is really a great remake because it uh, holds true to the original, holds true to the novel, yet it also reproduces some of what we've seen in 1956. So um, a lot of the scenes that you're seeing in 78, you'll be like, oh yeah, that was that scene in the 56 one. But they changed a few things about it. They updated it a little bit. And uh, overall, they made it better. Not taking away anything from the 56 version. It's a superior movie. Uh, not, I don't know. I'm not saying 56 is superior to 78. These are actually two equals. You know, two equal films. And uh, that's hard to do when you remake a movie. So yeah, yeah, I gotta give props to the filmmakers here. This was done fantastic. It's all wrapped up with a great ending. An absolutely bone-chilling ending. You'll love it. And it was at that point, the very last shot of the film, before the credits roll, that I remembered that I had actually seen this when I was a little kid. Or at least I had seen parts of it. At least this ending shot uh, when I was very, very young. And it scared the crap out of me. It really did. Now, I'm getting chills just thinking about that moment when I was a kid, when I saw that last shot, and I'm not going to really give it away. Uh, you can see this on Netflix Instant Watch. Go see it. It's a fantastic Halloween film to, to put in. But man, this one, I'm just thinking about it now. This is definitely one of those other ones that really got me into horror, uh, horror movies. 
uh, got me so interested in it. You know, coming around to Halloween and, and talking about horror films again, you know, I go back to Halloween being the time of the year when I was a kid that got me interested in horror. You know, it was always something so, so different, so out there, so taboo. There was something... Ah, oh, yeah, something kind of rebellious about it at that point. And I'm talking, this was the late 70s, early 80s when all this was happening for me. So, oh, yeah, yeah, weird, weird. But I'm, I'm so glad I got to talk about this one now because, uh, yeah, this is a definite influence. So, yeah, scared the crap out of me. And this time I am so glad that I watched this remake. And yes, it is a remake, all you remake haters out there. And it is a great, great movie. So I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978. Go watch this film. It's awesome. You know what we need? I mean, besides bread. We need a woman who appreciate what we have to offer. Freddie Shoot loves to cut class. Hates to do homework. Lives for summer vacation. But Freddie... You're a semi-charming guy and a real snappy dresser. You're just not the kind of guy I date anymore. Yeah? What kind of guy you date now? Oh, the kind who wears socks. And the only reason he hasn't been expelled yet is because he's the gym teacher. Oh, Mr. Shoop. At Oceanfront High. Congratulations. You've been chosen to teach summer school. No, I'm not a real teacher. That's all right. These aren't real students. They're unmotivated, irresponsible, not too bright. They'll relate to you. You in this class, too? Mm -hmm. I'm teaching it. No way! Right off the bat, you show him who's in charge. Hmm? Please take your seats. Where should we take him? Who is in charge? I recommend this time, I pass. You're gonna do well, Jerome. I can feel it. I've seen some of your students. Very scary. <laughs> There's a very valid reason for summer vacation. The human brain needs rest. I know you guys aren't exactly fired up about English, but we're stuck here. We're trapped like rats. Tension breaker had to be done. Mark Harmon. You need an intelligent, sensitive man who can skate. Kirstie Alley. Do you know such a guy? Oh, they're hard to find. In the Oceanfront High Summer School Class of 87. They're as smart as you and me. You and I. All of us. Paramount Pictures presents a new film by Carl Reiner. Summer School. I love this film. It had Lucky spirit. Dave, I agree with you. Thumbs up from me. Same here. To sum it up, I'm Chainsaw. I'm Dave. We'll see you at the movies. I don't know what it is. I'm like a child of the 80s, and so that must be why I have a soft spot for the 80s and the 80s movies. <laughs> so... It's like, it was like Monday morning and uh, I'm beginning work and I'm down in my living room on my laptop working and uh, I'm like, I ought to put on some Netflix instant watch to kind of have on in the background. So I, I didn't want a movie that I necessarily had to pay attention to. I just kind of wanted it, wanted it there. And normally I'll go to horror films, but if I'm watching horror films, it's like I want to pay enough attention to them to review them for the podcast. So uh, I'm like, eh, okay, so for some reason... This film came up in a, a list of recommended, I think it was like uh, goofy comedies from the 80s or something like that. And uh, this is uh, my official Netflix Instant Watch recommendation to you for this week. And that is Summer School from 1987. <laughs> oh yeah. Directed by Carl Reiner. Uh, it stars Mark Harmon and uh, a very skinny Kirstie Alley. 
And, uh, you know, going back and, you know, talking about Kirstie Alley now, um, she's a, a very big woman. Uh, she's been one of these stars that has, uh, you know, gone from being very thin like we saw her in this movie and in uh, uh, Cheers, for example. And uh, then she got real fat and then she lost weight and started looking, you know, uh, good again. And, and now she's all fat again and she's doing some reality show about it. And, you know, I'll tell you what. Now, being that I've seen Kirstie Alley really fat and disgusting looking, it's like looking at her now at uh, the roles that she played, like in Cheers and in Summer School, where she was very thin, and yeah, she's uh, pretty disgusting. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Not attractive to me whatsoever now. But uh, I can see back in the day before she got fat, before we've seen her in that state, that, uh, you know, where one could be attracted to her. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so big names in this movie, uh, but Mark Harmon is the lead role. He's the gym teacher who is assigned to summer school <laughs> to this misfit class, English class. So the gym teacher knows nothing about uh, <laughs> English, but he's stuck teaching summer school because no one else wants to do it. So this is your typical plot of the misfit class of kids. It's all goofy and has no hope whatsoever, and coming back and achieving things against all odds. Yeah, yeah, that's the story right there. But uh, what really is cool about this film is I think it has a place in horror history. I think that this movie uh, could very well be responsible for getting a lot of people interested in horror movies because there are two characters, two of the, two of the teens in this movie that uh, are kind of the misfits in this class who uh, are really, really into horror. They talk about horror all the time during <laughs> during this film. Uh, there's a really, really cool discussion about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Anna Maria? See? Have you seen the movie um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. It is good? Oh, I gotta tell you, I love this film. It had passion and a plucky spirit, and, and the characters had integrity. Like when Leatherface went on that strict diet of human flesh, he had to cut out chicken and fish completely. Dave, I agree with you. I'll go a step further. Sure, Leatherface. He wore a mask made out of human skin and he hung people on meat hooks. But hey, we've all got quirks. I've got them. You've got them, Dave. That's what makes this character so, so compelling. Thumbs up from me. Same here. Oh, yeah. And then there's another one here about uh, American Werewolf in London. Who we admire most in the world and why? The person we admire most in the world is makeup artist and creature creator Rick Baker. His wonderfully gruesome slime bladders and slobber tubes in American Werewolf in London won him a richly deserved Oscar. That is why we admire makeup artist and creature creator Rick Baker very, 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 very much. It's 100 words on the nose. You can if you want. And these are two great movies. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's almost like they're geeking out about it. Uh, these were original horror geeks, you know, back in the middle of the 80s. Man, you know, uh, these, these are the true horror fans, you know, people who are going, going out to the theaters constantly, who are, who are scouring VHS stores and, and rental places to, uh, to find great horror films. So, yeah, yeah, this, this is great, and I think it influenced a lot of people. I was putting up on Twitter that I was watching Summer School, and I can't remember who it was, um, who uh, replied back to me about this and said, hey, yeah, I remember watching this in the 80s, and this is what kind of opened my eyes to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, yeah, right on. That's awesome. 
that's a, that's really cool. So I think this got a lot of people interested in horror. Uh, and and other other horror things that you see in here, little references right at the beginning of the movie. Um, you see a picture of the machete zombie from Dawn of the Dead plastered up on the inside of one of the kids' lockers. And uh, the machete zombie, of course, being Leonard Lies. Um, and uh, that's really cool. I saw that right away. And then uh, later on in the movie, we go to a shot of uh, one of the bedrooms of the students and the poster on the kid's wall right there. Zombie 2. Oh, yeah. Rock and roll. There's a lot of great horror films referenced in uh, this little, you know, kind of fun teen summer movie called Summer School. So who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? And then, on top of all these horror references, there's some flat-out horror scenes. These two kids who are into the horror movies are really into special effects. And they talk about effects a lot in here, and they are actually effects artists themselves. And it's really, really great. They have this whole scene that they set up where the, the teacher walks into the classroom and it's like all the kids have been murdered and chopped apart <laughs> by these two students. And of course, they set it up. It's all done with, with makeup and things like that. But man, man, it's, uh, it's really, really cool. You know, we have people ripped apart with intestines and gashes, a cutthroat. It's really great looking. There's another scene later on where uh, they're doing their field trip and the kids come out and they have these bloody gashes all over their face. I mean, it's great. It's great. So I had a lot of fun watching this, um, you know, just for the horror, for the horror. And it's it's a fun little teen movie to watch, too. So if that's a guilty pleasure of yours... Little uh, fun teen movie of the 80s, and yeah, you'll like Summer School too. So I'm going to rate this with an 8 out of 10. If you got Netflix instant watch, then yeah, yeah, give this a watch. High def camera on. My girlfriend Katie, she thinks there's something in the house, I don't know. You believe me, right? I think we're gonna have a very interesting time capturing whatever paranormal phenomena is occurring or is not occurring. Windows are locked, doors are locked, alarm is on. Footsteps in, but there's no footsteps out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. If you do try to play games with it, that's inviting it in. Jesus. Looks like something big here. It's not the house. It's me. You cannot run from this. It will follow you. In control. You're not in control. What's happening to me? They left a message. If it's not a ghost, what is it? Paranormal Activity, Scary Movie, 2007. Yeah, yeah, it came out, and uh, it was either loved or hated, it seemed. You know, every podcast and their their podcasting buddies all talked about Paranormal Activity. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of more of the stuck-up horror fans just, you know, really bashed it. 
And so uh, I, I had really, I don't know, I had no desire to see it right away because it was like, yeah, well, you know, people were bashing this thing, you know, it's got to be terrible. Uh, but I finally decided to give it a watch. My brother suggested it, and, you know, the second one's out in theaters now. So I'm like, I got to see it. It's on Netflix Instant Watch, so it's not like really costing me anything, uh, you know, other than the subscription. Um, so, yeah, finally watched it. Um, and I know a lot of you have already seen it, so I, I'm not really going to go into the plot. I mean, there's not a whole lot of plot. Basically, you know, there's a haunted house, uh, two people live in there, you know, a guy and his girlfriend, and, uh, they've decided that, you know, such weird things are happening that, uh, you know, they're, uh, going to set up a camera to try to capture some of the weird things and maybe prove that, uh, something, the paranormal is going on. Um, so, uh, that's what they do, and, and most of the movie is from the camera that they set up in the bedroom at night, because most of the spooky things happen at night, of course, of course, but there are other times when they pick up the camera and take it places and things like that, and, uh, this movie, I, I was impressed overall, uh, I gotta say that, because it's basically kind of your amateur footage kind of film that they piece together, it's almost like a found footage kind of movie, you know, but it's, uh, uh, and not quite. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, and that that style tends to evoke a certain amount of realism, especially if the actors do it right. And uh, I think for the most part, uh, all in all, um, that was sold. Uh, I think the actors did a great job. I think it was filmed in such a way that it, it uh, did things very effectively. And so, yeah, I was sold on the realistic aspect of it. Um, for the most part, for the most part, um, great use of implied terror. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of spooky things, you know, it starts off real subtle. You just hear some knocks. You hear some shuffling around in the other room while they're asleep. And you're like, what's that? Oh, oh my. And it's kind of spooky. And, you know, for the, for a lot of the film, it's just kind of a lot of spooky knocking around. Um, but then we get a lot of weirder things. We hear kind of this howling and talk of demons and things like that. So it, it, uh, kind of amps up the, the horror and the terror and the dread as the film goes on. Um, eventually, you know, it, it gets to the point where they go out to investigate what these sounds are because it wakes them up in the middle of the night and we get a lot of screaming and a lot of bashing around and things like that. And uh, the last, I'll tell you what, that scream at the end of the film is blood curdling. It actually, it brings, it, it makes your hair stand on end. The little hairs on your arms, you get goosebumps and things. I, I thought that was, it was really frightening. A lot of the film was very, very frightening. Like I said, I think they pulled it off effectively. However, you know, we're getting to the end of the movie. I'm feeling pretty satisfied with it overall. I think they did a great job overall with it. Last shot of the movie, and I think they, they blew it at the very end. Um, the last shot of the movie um, where the girl's face morphs into a demon face as it rushes into the camera and she does that, that scream extremely cheesy oh my gosh why did you have to go and ruin an otherwise great subtle film with uh, you know obvious cg manipulation of the girl's demon face oh you blew it right at the end man oh they, they should have cut it off they should have cut it off right before that and if you watch paranormal activity you know you cut it off before the last few seconds <laughs> So, all in all, I'm still going to rate it very well. Uh, I was very impressed, and I don't, uh, you know, I can see why people would hate it, because, you know, it's a found footage kind of thing, so it's it's kind of following that trend, 
And also the very last shot. Yeah, yeah. So I can see why a lot of people would bash it. But it's not a movie worth bashing. It's actually, you know, they do a lot of things right here. A lot of things are effective. And it was fun. I mean, overall, it was a fun, scary movie to watch. So yeah, great movie to watch on Halloween. So yeah, on Netflix Instant Watch. Also, I'm like Mr. Netflix salesman here, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, like I said, going to give it a very good rating. Overall, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. And I just had to dock it a little bit because of the cheesiness of that very last shot. But Paranormal Activity, yeah, I recommend it. Now I can't wait to go see what the second's all about. Why do bad things happen to good people? You're just a regular family like anybody else. We didn't ask for this. And we didn't deserve it. It's perfect. It's spacious and affordable. I'm just wondering, where's the catch? Well, it does have a bit of a history. Did you find a bedroom? Down here? It's nice and it's cool. Everything's back there. Mm -hmm. Matt? Who put these things under the floorboards? Almost every day since we've been here. You're scaring me. We'll join the club. So check it out. They've held seances in this house. People not only contacted the dead, but made things appear. There is something in this house. Something no longer living and not yet passed over. What happened in the house? Something evil. And it was your son. God, what have you done to yourself? You can't get out there. You must get out now. Next up, right after Paranormal Activity, I'm talking within a minute of finishing that film, I decided to start watching The Haunting in Connecticut, 2009, based on a true story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I, I didn't really know much about this. Um, I was happy that uh, Victoria Madsen was the leading role in this film. I think Victoria is a great actress, uh, does a good job in this film, but uh, I actually like her most from the Candyman movies, you know, Candyman 1 and 2. Uh, yeah, she plays Helen, does a great job, and a fantastic actress. So yeah, I was like, all right, cool, Victoria Madsen. But um, here's, here's the thing about this, and it, I didn't even remember this until I got to a certain part of this film, was that... Um, I saw the clip of uh, kind of during that one seance where the boy at the table 
opens his mouth and all that weird stuff floats up out of his mouth and is hovering in the air. I saw that clip so many times in the form of an extremely annoying, obtrusive flash ad on all these big shot horror websites and any horror website that wanted to whore themselves out to this studio to make, you know, pennies, literally pennies. They put up this horrible, horrible flash ad that would pop up and overlay itself on everything else of this boy with all this stupid stuff floating up out of his mouth. I think there was even audio that played automatically. And every time you hovered over this stupid ad, it would take up your whole screen and, whoa, look at this spooky CG. Oh, the hunting in Connecticut. And so I saw that and it kind of blew the movie for me because I hated that ad. I saw it 10 bazillion times. And, oh, uh, man, yeah. So that kind of ruined this movie for me. I, uh... Uh, was never sold on the um, believability. I never thought it was real. It was very Hollywood for me. I don't know. It, it may be because I, I watched Paranormal Activity just before this, and where Paranormal Activity was more raw, it was more believable. This one was very polished. They use a lot of CG. Um, and I just didn't believe it. I couldn't get into it. I just could not get into it. You know, you got the weird stuff happening, and they, they try to figure out... What's going on? And, uh, you know, of course, they realize that this house that they moved into used to be a funeral home. And the, 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 the mortician there did a lot of weird stuff to the bodies. And it's because of that that all this weird stuff's happening in the house. And, yeah, don't get me wrong. There are some spooky things. There are some creepy things. There are some scary moments. But all in all, as a movie altogether, it was just, I don't know, it was very bland to me. I, I don't know. I just couldn't get excited about it. And, it, you know, it very well may be because of that stupid flash ad that soured me. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, I don't know. I just didn't like this movie at all. Um, you know, I think really the scariest part about the movie was that it got very loud in parts. And I was like, oh, holy cow, I didn't expect it to be that loud. And that was the scariest thing. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, so all in all, a big, big, huge disappointment. Um, due to, I, I just wish I could have seen this, mu this movie purely, like not having seen anything, not having seen any flash ads, because then it would have been more of, of a dis discovery to me. I, I wouldn't have been, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there you go. Ah, uh, the haunting in Connecticut, the haunting in Connecticut, apparently the only one that's ever happened in Connecticut. So this is the one and only haunting in Connecticut based on a true story, so I don't know, that didn't make me believe it anymore. Uh, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Uh, yeah, there's there's far better movies out there to spend your time watching, so I would skip this one if I were you. Uh, Corey, I've been trying to call all day. For some strange this thing just rings. And after, like, I don't know, 7.30, it kind of goes to a normal phone line. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going here. Um, we're talking about uh, the Invasion of the Body Catchers in the last episode. You said there was only two remakes. Um, actually, there's three. There's one that came out a couple years ago called The Invasion. It's kind of it's kind of the same take on The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, I think it's got a Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig in it. Um, so if you're going to watch, you know, all the remakes, you might want to tackle that one as well. That's what I've been told. I've never seen it, but it seems like a like a bad version or bad remake of the original version of the Body Snatchers. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, buddy. Later.
Hey, Vaughn, thanks for calling in, man. It was very cool, very cool. I appreciate that you listen at all. That's uh, very flattering because I consider you to be one of the uh, aficionados of, of horror film. And uh, it's just kind of humbling uh, when I listen to your show. And your show, you know, I cut down on a lot of the podcasts I was listening to. Uh, there, there aren't as many <laughs> as I used to be. And uh, yours is the one that uh, is always one of the first ones that I listen to because it's fantastic and you, you know a lot. And, uh, dude, your episode with James about uh, the wall was just fantastic, too, man. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you for reminding me about that. I completely forgot about uh, that other remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew about it when it came out because I had heard of it and stuff. But uh, I completely forgot about it now that I'm doing all these reviews. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it, and I think I heard the same thing that you did. It's not that great. But, uh, hey, what can you do? What can you do? The 78 version was great. Um, so, yeah, and I'm looking forward. There's this other one that they did in 93 that uh, I'll also be watching here pretty soon. And, uh, yeah, interested in seeing what that's all about. But, dude, thank you for alerting me to that. And uh, everybody should go listen to Motion Picture Massacre because it's incredible. <laughs> In a house of mysteries. This hotel seems to have quite a history, Mr. Gallagher. Who are you people? A research team with special powers. <gasps> My God. She's experiencing the past. Because we are all joined by our thoughts. <gasps> has uncovered an ancient secret. I have something I want to show you. <laughs> Metaphysically speaking, I killed myself. <gasps> But they are playing with an evil force. What would you do with the power? You can't save her, Alex. They have given life to a deadly power. We're all in danger. And now a box of little toys. I think someone's in the room, Frank. Has become a gang of little terrors. Pinhead, Blade, Ms. Leech, Jester, and Tunneler. Irene Miracle, Paul Lamatt, Barbara Crampton, and William Hickey as the Puppet Master. Oh, today I'm talking about Puppet Master from 1989. And, you know, lately I've been into this whole evil doll thing, you know, possessed doll movie. Uh, started out with Demonic Toys, which was a full moon film. And then, um, you know, people were like, oh, you should you know, talk about Child's Play and Puppet Master. So I watched Child's Play and that was a great movie. And uh, now Puppet Master is uh, another one of these films. And it is also a full moon movie. So, you know, full moon, as I'm learning, has this thing for uh, evil dolls. <laughs> and uh, we're going to see a lot of that. But uh, yeah, Puppet Master, um, the, the guy who plays the Puppet Master in this movie was William Hickey. And I love William Hickey. This is the movie that he did right after he did Christmas Vacation. Uh, and I'd love his role in Christmas Vacation. That's just a, a great, great movie, too. 
but it has nothing to do with this. But uh, he plays the puppet master, and he, <laughs> he has such great character. Um, he does. Uh, he, he's dead now, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, in this movie, he plays Andre Toulon, who actually commits suicide, shoots himself in the head right on screen. So yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and uh, so he's the puppet master living at uh, this hotel, the Bodega Bay Inn. And uh, he's doing these weird things. He's doing uh, these spooky, I guess, Egyptian kind of rituals with these dolls. He's reanimating them. But there's some people after him. He shoots himself in the head. He hides all these dolls away in the walls of the hotel. Fast forward decades and decades to the present day where a bunch of psychics come together. They've been like psychically called because there's this guy living at the hotel in the present day who shot himself. Um, so it's a weird parallel to the original, you know, puppet master who shot himself back in the day. And so all these psychics come together, figure out what's going on. Of course, the widow of the guy that shot himself uh, was also there. But it turns out that this guy was doing stuff with uh, the original kind of Egyptian rituals of the puppet master. And uh, but eventually what happens is all these dolls come out of the walls um, and uh, yeah, they they kind of have their revenge on all these psychics and everything, and it's really cool. Um, the only thing is it's a little slow as the story unfolds, you know, as a present-day story comes together and you learn about the psychics and their powers and then the hotel, and so you really don't see a whole lot of action with the puppets wreaking havoc until a little bit later on. But we have great puppets, you know, we have uh, Pinhead, not Hellraiser Pinhead, but Pinhead, the really strong puppet that has a little, little tiny head. And we have Blade, you know, the thing that has a, a knife for a hand. We have the the, the leech woman. Uh, I can't remember uh, what her official name is. It might be Leech or the Leech Woman or something. I, don't, I can't remember. But uh, that's really, really cool, and it's crazy. She has uh, leeches, kind of. She throws up leeches, uh, and then the leeches suck the blood out of their victims, and that's really, really cool. I mean, it's just awesome. So yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of puppets in here that do a lot of really terrible things, and it's very violent, very cool. Um, it kind of tells a story. It's 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 got a, a lot of elements of mystery in it, and uh, then we get a lot of horror at the end as the uh, dolls just chop everybody to pieces. Uh, <laughs> it's really really great. It really is, uh, and there's a nice twist at the end. So yeah, all in all, Puppet Master. It, it's a great great movie. Um, and in the whole reanimated dolls kind of subgenre here of horror now <laughs> we're looking at, uh, this, you know, this ranks highly for me. It really does. And it's all, it's, it's got a lot of zombie elements. Um, and, uh, you can almost call this a zombie movie because, okay, let me, let me have my piece here. Um, if you can call some of the early Karloff films like The Walking Dead and The Man They Could Not Hang, if you call those zombie movies, then you can call this a zombie movie too. Because in those Karloff movies, if you remember, uh, he used some kind of magic, something, even, even kind of in the ghoul. You know, he used something uh, to bring himself back after he had died. And that, I think, is an essential element of zombie movies. So, you know, I've talked about those films, and I consider those zombie movies. So now we look to the Puppet Master and this ancient magic that they're working with. Uh, not only has the ability to bring life to inanimate objects such as dolls, 
but it also has the ability to reanimate the dead. And that's exactly what we see. That's kind of the twist at the end of this movie. The dead guy comes back to life because he was tinkering with this magic and he made it all so before he died. So, is this a zombie movie? Mm-hmm. Well, 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 a lot of people are going to get worked up and probably yell and scream and curse about this. <laughs> oh, 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 boo-hoo. Oh, oh, no, no. But anyhow, yeah, just something to think about. But this is a good movie, a lot of fun, very violent, very brutal. You will wince in pain as you see what these puppets do to their victims. So... I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Definitely worth watching and a great kind of spooky Halloween movie also. Come on, let's get going. It looked like a safe haven from the raging storm. It's an odd kind of place. Where'd your folks get it from, Boris Karloff? Their hosts seemed like the essence of hospitality. You can stay here as long as you like. Wonderful. But appearances can be very deceiving. What's the matter? Afraid of the dog? Mom, yeah. are you scared? Well, of course not. What's there to be afraid of? This house. Oh, don't be. Son, you like toys. I'm a doll maker. <laughs> I make the most wonderful toys. Dolls, puppets, soldiers, ballerinas. Nobody wants a doll that's special anymore, that's one of a kind. The weather brings out creativity. It helps me in my work. What kind of work is that? Witchcraft? watching all these movies on Netflix, I watch The Puppet Master, and what comes up as a suggestion, if I like The Puppet Master, then Dolls, 1987. This was made two years before Puppet Master, but it's a full moon movie, um, but directed by Stuart Gordon. And I'll tell you what, this movie, uh, you can tell that a, a very, very good director made this movie. Stuart Gordon makes a big difference. This, I think, stands a little bit above a lot of the other Full Moon films. A lot of the Full Moon films feel low budget. You know, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, they have more of a low budget feel. 
and uh, they don't seem to be as imaginative in the execution. Now, what I'm talking about is maybe cinematography, uh, the use of, of uh, lighting, and, and things like that. There's just a little bit there um, that, that gives it that feel. But Stuart Gordon, you know, he's a big shot. He is a great, great director, and he makes all the difference in Dolls, actually. I like Dolls better than Puppet Master. Um, so, this, uh, I think this takes place in the UK, in England, I believe. And uh, there's a, a family vacationing there. It's a dad, his daughter, and the stepmom, the evil stepmom. And this, this whole thing um, feels a lot kind of uh, like a, a Tales from the Crypt episode. Almost like it's a... It's almost a fan fantasy kind of story, almost a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? It's it's not fantasy, but it almost has that kind of dream, kind of fairy tale, kind of uh, uh, feel to it. And Stuart Gordon, I, I think, it does this so well, so well. But yeah, has a lot of a feel to uh, Tales from the Crypt episode, like I said. And uh, a lot of that, I think, has to do with the length. This is a shorter movie. It doesn't even go an hour and a half. So they find this house after breaking down, and it's it's uh, owned by this spooky old couple, and they invite them in to spend the night. And then uh, we have two uh, English punks, you know, real punks, you know, with the, with the chains and the leather and the crazy hair and, and uh, things like that. Um, they uh, are hitchhiking or something like that. I don't know. But they end up staying at the house the night, too. And uh, all kinds of havoc ensues because... This old couple has this vast collection of dolls, just crazy dolls all over the place. And uh, it ends up what they're doing is they're bringing life to these dolls. Well, no, no, not really. They're not bringing life to the dolls. They're actually people who come to the house. They turn into these dolls. So they use some kind of a magic, an evil magic, uh, to turn people <laughs> into dolls. And then they make them part of their collection. And it's really weird, and the dolls are, are still alive, but they're very evil, and they get revenge, and things like that. And uh, the little girl ends up finding this all out, and uh, she has to make everybody believe, and uh, they don't all. And it's also a little story about the relationship between her and her, her father, who really doesn't love her, and her evil stepmother. And in this old couple, I mean, th this is a great, great spooky film. It really plays on the creepiness of the dolls. I mean, how many times, and I know I've done this a lot, where you walk into a house of a doll collector, or a room where their collection, where rooms are, are lined with shelves of dolls. Isn't it a little bit creepy? Isn't it a lot creepy? I mean, <laughs> it's just... They're weird blank stares, and they're looking at you, and they, they have these disturbing smiles, and some of them just look downright evil, although it, they're supposed to be something of, of beauty, but uh, there's just something not right about it, and it creeps you out, and this, with, uh, this movie plays on that. Uh, a lot of it was the shot selection and the lighting and the way these dolls were done. Um, we have both stop-motion animation and kind of puppeteered dolls, and both work great. They look great. Um, the, the artists behind these were fantastic. Pulls it off well. Is very, very violent. Extremely violent. <laughs> very painful. But, uh, you know, in the end we figure out what's going on. We have a happy little ending and everything. It, it's, you know, it's a fun movie. It's a great movie, actually. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so Dolls, I think that uh, this is a little bit better then Puppet Master, and again, being a full moon film, you know, we see a lot of a lot of shared elements in between this and Puppet Master. You know, we have the creepy old house. 
we have the old the old couple you know in the puppet master it was the old man william hickey's character who was uh, kind of weaving the magic and he was kind of behind this all and he was the creepy old guy and in dolls we have the creepy old couple who are using black magic during one part in the film uh, the the old lady admits to being a witch so yeah that's what we have here so those are themes and of course the doll theme all throughout the uh, the full moon movies for the most part so yeah yeah but this is executed very well i'm gonna give a lot of that credit to stuart gordon i think he did a great job so dolls i'm gonna rate this one point above the puppet master and give it an eight out of ten a great great movie also available of course on netflix instant watch more frightening than his war of the worlds more imaginative than his time machine now hg wells masterpiece of science fiction the food of the gods the terrifying tale of man fighting for his life against an ecology gone berserk. This is the last chance for an unsuspecting world against harmless animals and insects made huge and vicious by the food of the gods. Marjo Gortner. Pamela Franklin. Ralph Meeker. Ida Lupino. H.G. Wells, The Food of the Gods, for a taste of hell. Rated PG. The Food of the Gods was another movie that came up in recommendations somehow. Being uh, Netflix sees what I like when it comes to movies and horror movies. So this is one of the recommendations. Food of the Gods, 1976. One year before I was born, they decided to make this movie. And this was made by Burt Gordon. and uh, Or directed by Burt Gordon, anyhow. Um, and if you know anything about Burt Gordon, he liked giant monster movies. Uh, and uh, he got a lot of that inspiration from the giant monster films from the 50s. You know, the giant ants and giant bugs and giant spiders and giant this, giant that. And uh, he was really inspired by that, of course. And he made a lot of these. Food of the Gods is another giant animal movie uh, where we take otherwise small animals make them very giant, and then make them attack people. Um, this was based, I guess very loosely based, on part of an H.G. Wells novel. Um, and uh, so that kind of, you know, got my attention here. I'm like, oh, H.G. Wells, you know, that, that's kind of cool. War of the Worlds and things like that. So yeah, yeah, great. And uh, what we have here, this takes place in Canada. And we have some football players in Canada that decide to go on vacation to this remote uh, island somewhere in Canada. And uh, it just so happens that they encounter giant wasps, a giant rooster with all their giant chickens around them, uh, giant worms and giant rats, all kinds of giant creatures. And it's all because there's this little fountain on this island that is spewing forth this milky, creamy stuff that they call the food of the gods. And uh, they collect it, and it makes animals grow very big and makes them want to eat people. <laughs> and that's basically it. And um, we have all kinds of things, uh, kind of uh, all kinds of little plots and all kinds of motivations at work here. A lot of people uh, are wanting to collect this stuff and sell it. Uh, they're gonna want to. Uh, I don't. I don't know what they're trying to do with it, but uh, it's it's stuff that um, you know is really an evil substance. But uh, people want to cash in on it. 
you know, and so it has stuff to say about commercialism, it has stuff to say about kind of the environment getting back at us. I mean, that's, it's kind of beating us over the head with that. And it's almost kind of like, oh, did, did Romero make this? Oh, no, wait, no, no, Romero didn't make this one, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but I think a lot of that commentary was originally written into it by H.G. Wells. So, yeah, what can you do? But, uh, yeah, yeah, the most dangerous creatures, of course, are these giant rats. Um, and I gotta say... They pull off the effects, I think, very well. Uh, I think the weakest effect is the giant rooster. And it's it's obviously just kind of a big uh, rubber rooster head that's, you know, being kind of pecked at the, the actor. Um, but uh, that wasn't really impressive. But I was impressed with the wasps for the most part. We got these giant wasps that just sting this guy to death. And he swells up in his bloated, weird body is left in the woods to die. So that was that was a cool scene. Um, yeah, the giant uh, chickens weren't that great. They were just really big chickens. Um, but a really cool scene was with the worms. There are these giant worms that actually uh, start biting this woman's arm. And it's really cool. And the way they did the rats, I thought was great. They used both uh, close-up footage using miniature models. So they would just, I guess, take dozens of rats and have them just kind of lay into models of the houses and the structures and the woods there um, and put it in with footage of the actors and it blended great. I think for 1976 the effects that they did here were were really really good um, and they also blended in a lot of uh, costumed actors so they would take full body rat costumes and blended in with the footage and they did it in such a way that it was really good it looked great so it wasn't cheesy at all like i said the only cheesy thing was that stupid rooster and that was really dumb and uh, i even liked you know the 70s a lot of horror in the 70s used bright red blood it almost looked like they just went and bought some bright red paint and just used that for blood uh but i like it I really like it, and I, I don't know what it is. I think it's the time period. You know, they did it in Dawn of the Dead, too. That's another movie where they use the bright red paint for blood, um, and it doesn't bother me. I think it's all part of the atmosphere. It's part of the, part of the thing, and it's just very acceptable to me, very believable, so I liked it. And Food of the Gods, altogether, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, even though it was a little preachy and uh, it was a little cheesy in parts, Ah, I don't care. I'm I'm gonna watch it again. I'll put this in. It's it's part of my queue now. I'm gonna leave it in there. And from time to time, this is gonna be a fun one to watch. So overall, uh, 1976, Food of the Gods. I'm gonna give a seven out of ten. Let me eat your brains. I just got to tell you, this week, uh, my original music that I'm playing for you just brings back a lot of uh, nostalgic moments. You know, as I'm 
aging as I'm getting into my mid thirties. Now I, you know, think back to things like high school and college and how much fun a lot of that was. And it was just great being young there for a while. And don't get me wrong, I've moved on and now I'm in a whole nother uh, really great, great, exciting part of my life. But, uh, you know, hey, those are some good times I had back in the day. And uh, this song was one of the first ones that uh, I wrote and, and eventually recorded. I wrote the lyrics to this while I was in college. I think I was like 19 or 20 when I wrote these lyrics. Um, and it was because I had a roommate at the time who was real into death metal, uh, real into Slayer, Morbid Angel, uh, Obituary. He introduced me to Six Feet Under and Cannibal Corpse. Um, oh man, any, anything like that at all. He, he was real into hardcore also, SOD and things. So he introduced me to a lot of great music. And, um, so I would hear this music so much. This is a point in time when I was really, <laughs> at that point, I was into a lot of diverse things. I was really getting into the Grateful Dead and, uh, Fish and, uh, really Danzig at that point too. So, but anyhow, he played a lot of death metal and, uh, you know, we would party a lot. And, uh, one night I sat down while I was in kind of a, a trance, <laughs> you know, and I wrote out the lyrics to this song. The title to this song is Dripping Blood from Crushed Heads. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to read you the lyrics um, because they're not uh, that clear in the song. Uh, the lyrics are, I hate the world. I kill the kids and eat their flesh all day. Skeletons rip the bodies apart. Killers stalk unholy prey. Quenching bloodthirst from hell, summon the human eaters. Dripping blood from melting skin, dying a hellish death of pain. Giant fish hooks through the head, jagged teeth rip my head off. Fly from the earth in death's final grip, travel in pain, bleeding out the mouth. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I sat down and wrote this all out, and it's been a thing of legend. Um, uh, I recorded it. Several years ago, actually looking at the date on this, it was over five years ago when I sat down and recorded this. Uh, I recorded it in the attic. Uh, my apartment at the time was the second floor and the attic of this big old house. And it was awesome. I set up all my stuff, all my recording stuff in the attic. And so I had my drums up there and all my amps and I had microphones. I would actually I would have microphones hanging from all points in the, in the room and it was great. And uh, so this is one of the first songs that I recorded. So the recording is a little rough. Uh, I was still, you know, buying mics and experimenting with mics. I didn't have real good, you know, as good ones as I have now. And uh, so, yeah, this is a little bit rougher. But uh, I love this song. I love this song. And I've actually been thinking of remaking, doing a remake of my own song. <laughs> because now, now I have more equipment and I have more things at my disposal that I can make a better version of this. But this one holds a special place in my heart. Now, I, I'm just going to add in the comment here that I did uh, perform this song live one time with my band Funkmeister Fatty uh, when we were at uh, Rum Runners in Pittsburgh, which is a club that we played at an awful lot, and I don't think it's called Rum Runners anymore. But... Um, <laughs> It was a, a more improvisational style of the song. It, it was not similar in form to what I'm playing you today. Um, and actually, I invited a, uh, a singer from an industrial band called Track Addict up to uh, sing the song. 
and it was very weird. I wish we would have recorded that. I don't think we did. But anyhow, <laughs> I digress. I digress. I'm talking too much. Here I bring you clear back from five or six years ago now in Corey's uh, original music archives, Dripping Blood from Crushed Heads. <laughs> was a lot of movies how many did i have like eight or seven or something like that i don't know i didn't count but there i hope you're happy i hope you got your fill of reviews and horror and stuff like that there's a lot of content for you so go chew on that content throughout your halloween season yeah 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 i hope you enjoy your halloween i'm, I'm gonna have a lot of fun i really am i've been watching a lot of scary movies and uh you know hey i'll just keep keep watching them and i'll keep talking about them because i i just enjoy it so thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, be safe on Halloween. You know, it's uh, a lot of parties going on and stuff, but just use your head. Be smart. Come on. Come on. A lot of stupid people out there. Don't be one of them. Don't be one of them. Come on, man. So anyhow, uh, I encourage you to go to my website to find out more, to find all the show notes for this here episode. That's at midnightcory.com. Um, of course, uh, if you want to leave a voicemail of death, tell me what you think. It's 814-806-2828. Um, a lot of great podcasts out there that you should be listening to, like Vaughn's Motion Picture Massacre, JAFMP, The Witch's Hat with Root Rot, and a lot of friends. Um, um, Johnny T's Cult Films uh, podcast, uh, Horror Etc., Splattercast. Um, 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 and a lot more dried blood, you know, you know, all out there. And I'm, again, I'm missing them because these are just off the top of my head and a lot of things going through my mind. So I forget them. I'm sorry if I didn't mention yours, McPierce, uh, little dead pod, you know, cadaver lab. Of course I'm, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting, but you're all cool, man. You're all cool. Ah, yeah. So next week, 
it looks like we are finally up to the legendary Plan 9 from Outer Space. You know, when I said I was, you know, during the Teenage Zombies review that, you know, the horribleness of Teenage Zombies almost achieves what uh, Ed Wood did in his films. You know, it was a great ushering in of Ed Wood films. So now, yeah, Plan 9 from Outer Space, it is a zombie movie. And it's a it's a weird 50s sci-fi movie as well. And yeah, it was voted the worst horror movie of all time. And I'll get to talk about it next week. So yippee, yippee. All right. I do actually really, really like that movie. But yeah, so that's it. Uh, more original music. Uh, working on a bunch of new songs, as always. I can't not work on music. I can't not write songs and things like that. I don't know. And I'm sorry you got to listen to them. I'm sorry. I'm throwing them out there. And... Yeah, yeah. Oh, what can you do? But anyhow, thank you for listening. Um, have a happy Halloween, and I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>